Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today we have a really fun podcast. We're talking about Anagram types. We're going to talk about how to approach supporting pregnant people in labor based on their anagram. It's something I hadn't actually thought of before, but it just makes a lot of sense. It's a little bit about just self knowledge, learning what your anagram is, understanding some of your traits, and what kind of support you may need, how you may be reacting to things. I think it's really interesting. And it's just one of those fun kind of off-the-cuff conversations I think you're going to enjoy. So to have this conversation, I have Courtney Clegg and Stephanie King. Courtney and Stephanie are certified childbirth educators and doulas. They are also the hosts of the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast, where they give tons of practical tips and holistic advice on pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. It's a great conversation. We go through all nine anagram types, a little snapshot of what some of the traits are. And it's just fun thinking about, oh, am I that one? Am I that one? Am I a little bit of that one? So I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Before we get to that, I want to give you guys a heads up that we've got a free downloadable, five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pain. So if you're uncomfortable, if you have back pain or shoulder pain or neck pain or hip pain, chances are it's on my list of five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. And I've got a solution for you. So just go to the website prenatalyogacenter.com and grab that. And then to also help you feel at your best during your pregnancy, we've got live prenatal yoga classes seven days a week to help you join the community, to help you feel healthy and well in your body, to alleviate common aches and pains, to help you get ready for birth. We've got it covered prenatal yoga every day. And of course we have postnatal and baby and me. And the last thing I just want to remind you guys, I've had people asking, do you think you're going to have your teacher training online for much longer? And yes, we are going to have two more teacher trainings in the fall online. We'll see what happens after that. But if you're thinking of taking the training, you don't want to deal with travel, we've got you covered. We have it online. Check that out, of course, at prenatalyogacenter.com. Okay, I think that's enough. So we're going to take a super quick break and when we come back. Please enjoy my conversation about Enneagram types. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hello, we're well. Hi, happy to be here. Oh, good. I am so excited to talk to you about this. Right. So, okay, was I pronouncing it right? Enneagram, is that right? 
That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's something I feel like I've seen on social media, on Facebook and stuff, people talking about it. And I hadn't really thought about it until I started digging into some of the work you guys do and how you, I know you're not experts, I know, but like, it's just something that we can chat about. <laughs> I hadn't even considered looking at birth clients or students through the lens of what their Enneagram might be and then how you work with them. So this is, this is new to me and kind of exciting. So, um, yay. So thank you for being on my podcast and talking about this with me. Our pleasure. We're, we loved studying this topic ourselves because I feel like birth should be approached in such a way that individualizes the experience for each woman. And this just kind of adds to that layer of how can we make this your birth? How can we help you have the best experience that you can and that you want to have? So we love that aspect. Oh, right. Good. And I think too, when you have a woman that you've never met before in front of you, and definitely when you were talking about birth, you know, in a very vulnerable space, um, having some kind of background information that you can pull from, I find is really useful too. Yeah, absolutely. So before we jump into that, let me just hear a little bit about both of you. If you can tell me a little bit about yourselves, how you got into birth work and how the two of you ended up working together. (laughs) Courtney pointed at me, but I'm I'm like shaking my head. Your turn. No. (laughs) Well, Stephanie and I are both uh, doulas and we're both certified childbirth educators. And we actually met at a doula training together many, many years ago. We won't tell you how many ago and really kind of hit it off. We were both teaching the same thing and um, really kind of hit it off that way. So I, I have four kids. I've had four unmedicated births, some in hospital, some out of hospital. And, um, I love the work that you do. I think when you talk to a lot of birth workers, you'll hear them say often that they, this is something they felt called to. This is a work that they felt pulled to. And I know that's certainly true for both of us. As we were teaching, um, this particular birth course that we were, there were some things in there that just kind of weren't my favorite, I could say. And I approached Stephanie uh, with the idea of creating an online course together that could serve more women. And that's what we set out to do. How long ago was that? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) I think it's been about four years now. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. So you guys have been kind of joined at the hip ever since. I I really like that. For better or for worse, right? (laughs) It's like a marriage. My second marriage. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> so, all right, let's jump into this. I'm just so excited to talk about approaching, supporting pregnant people and labor based on their Enneagram. So I, and I don't, I have to be honest again, I know very little about this, but super interested. <laughs> so maybe we can start for the person that's kind of like me. Can you even explain what an Enneagram is? Yeah. So, uh, Enneagram and we kind of talk about this. So we have some podcast episodes ourselves and we have like this brief intro in front of it and it's to give just a quick overview of it. And so it's a diagram with nine points that illustrate the nine human character structures. They're nine different, but connected types. And so it doesn't necessarily tell us what we do, but it tells us why we do it. So yeah. yeah, I think that's like the basis, the overview. I, I love it. There is a quote from someone who is an Enneagram expert. Um, she's Beth at your Enneagram coach online, but she says that the Enneagram, it accurately and clearly describes why you think and feel and behave in a particular way based upon your core fears and your core desires. And it's this idea that you can use this path of self-discovery to help you transform into the healthiest, highest, truest version of yourself. I like that. So we all have traits and sometimes those traits might actually bring out the worst in us, but this is seeing those (laughs) traits and using those traits to bring out the best. Is that right? Exactly. I I really feel like it leads to a balanced you, which leads to a a really exalted version of yourself. It's helpful for me to know, for example, um, how I tend to behave, why I tend to behave the way I do when I'm stressed out and why that's different from what Stephanie looks like when she's stressed (laughs) out, you know? And when you start to become self-aware of those things, it's easier to um, say, hold on, we're going to take a step back. I'm going to nurture myself and get back to a healthy place before proceeding. So curious what both of you found out for your Enneagram is. And as I was looking at them and 
I was almost a little bit hesitant to dive too deep into it because I wanted to be like the bohemian easygoing. That feels like that. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I'm like, oh, I'd like to see myself that way with the full knowledge. That's actually, if I took the test, that would not be the case. I was afraid it would show me be like, you're controlling, you're like over-organizing. <laughs> and so I, I shied away from it because I think it would be very revealing. Uh, but when, if you guys took the test, did you find out what, or would you mind sharing? You don't have to, um, what your Enneagram types are. Yeah. So it's kind of funny and it made a lot of sense actually when we did break down and take the test, but we are both threes. And so with Enneagram, you have a main number, you will have, yeah, whatever your main number is. And then you have something called a wing number and that'll be either the number before your main number or the number after. So for example, since we are both threes, you could be a three, two or a three, four. And the funny part about that is that's where we differ is I'm a three, two. I'm, I go into the helper and she's a three, four. Remind me of what for is. It's a, you're kind of a feeler. You're very, (laughs) you're very individualistic. And so, um, Stephanie, that's kind of how we flavor our roles as three, right? So we're both very much achievers, um, very goal oriented. We like to perform and perform well. Um, but whereas Stephanie kind of has a little bit of a flavor of the helper, um, for her wing too, I'm definitely a bit more of a very, I want to be very authentic. I feel things very deeply. And that's where my wing, I'm doing air quotes, four comes in. <laughs> right. This is, I'm going to have to break down and do it. I feel like I'd be somewhere in that three, two or three, one. It kind of reminds me of astrology a little bit of like you have mm-hmm. your your sign and then you've got your rising sign and then there's another. I never really studied, but I had my chart done and it just felt so, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. I'm a Scorpio yeah, yeah. with, corporate, with corp, uh, Capricorn rising and I'm like, oh, got that fire, but that organization. So oh, it reminds me. Yeah. It's, it makes, it's quite the quite the thing. Ask my husband. Um, yeah. <laughs> Keep things spicy. Huh? Quite, quite the combination. <laughs> All right. So can you, I know there's nine different types. Is that correct? Correct. Right. Yep. Can you briefly just, because they're, they're, I looked at them. They're pretty in depth. If you can just briefly tell me about the different Enneagrams. Yeah. So you have Enneagram one, which they kind of um, label them the perfectionist. This is a person who they've got very deep convictions. Um, they're sort of the queens of checking off to-do lists. Um, and so we're, we're very grateful for the type ones in our life. <laughs> and then we've got our type two, which is the helper. This is the one that I relate to. This is, I am part type two. And so it's kind of caring and thoughtful. Um, it, it makes you think of other people a lot and they like to serve. That's kind of, it, it, I would say too, like the hard part is like the self-care, right? Making sure that you're, you're doing what you need for you too. And I have to say, that's one thing that I loved about doing that Enneagram test is not only is it telling you like, this is where you fit in or why you have these traits, but it gives you an opportunity to see the best and to where you can improve Mm -hmm. and anyways, continue to help be your best. So then obviously the one Steph and I are most familiar with is the type three. This is your achiever. They're very goal oriented. Um, they sort of like to perform for people. They like to have the best and, and be the best. Um, and so that's wonderful for them. And then I'll speak to, Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, do they give kind of like, I'm just relating this to again, astrology science, cause that's the small area I understand. Do they have like, I don't want to say pros and cons, but like strengths and weaknesses. So like your strength is (laughs) you're a helper, but your weakness might be you are overly helping and you, you, then you deplete yourself. (laughs) Like nailed it. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So for example, with your Enneagram threes, um, sometimes they can, you know, in their effort to perform and be the best, they can sort of be, I don't want to say inauthentic, but they feel like they have to put on this face for people. Um, and, and sometimes that's not really necessarily true to who they are. And so, um, to be able to move to a place where as an Enneagram three, you know, and feel like you're, you're acceptable and loved just for being you. There's nothing you need to do or no tasks you need to achieve in order to be lovable. So there's, um, I love it. And if you're doing a deep dive into Enneagram, one of the books that I really enjoyed was the road back to you. 
And um, there's so many great resources out there that will kind of tell you the core fears, but also the core desires for each of these Enneagram types. And again, to reiterate, Stephanie and I are enthusiasts. We're certainly not (laughs) experts. And I'm sure you're going to have some listeners going, well, I probably would have described that a little differently. And so we we nod to you. We acknowledge that um, (laughs) there's lots of information to be had here. Yeah, this is just, I just think it's fascinating, especially if we can start to relate this to birth. All right, so we left off at, we do four, we did three. Four. four. Okay. Yeah. Four. Do you want to describe four? No, you've got the four. Go for it. <laughs> okay. So four is very, they're the individualist and they are highly aware of their emotions and they, they're often very in tune with their body. They feel things very deeply and it's very important to them to be um, authentic and, um, they love cultivating, um, unique. It's important to them too. They, they would rather be unique than be famous. Like the type three may want to be famous. The type four wants to be seen as authentically unique. So, um, I think that's pretty cool. That's so my daughter. I think she's such her own person. It's fascinating to me. All right. Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) If you guys have not taken the test, you should really guess at each other before you do it. I think that's super fun. My husband and I did that. I think we, maybe we will. I'm afraid, but but okay, Anna, I want the update when you do it. Now <laughs> I'm going to be curious. Yeah. Okay. So type five is kind of the investigator. And so they, they kind of like their mind is their sanctuary, but they're really calm in any situation. And so, um, studying things out and, um, being confident in what they're doing, trying to plan for others' opinions or, or sorry, planning, not having to worry about in regards to other opinions, all of that is a benefit to them and kind of where they're happy. They're also the people who kind of three the crowd. They they want their place intimate. They enjoy that one-on-one with other people. So that's kind of their happy place. I like that person. That sounds nice. Okay. Same. I think of fives as your very bohemian, um, just kind of, I think of the classic introvert sometimes Mm -hmm. when I think of fives, but in a very lovely kind of a way. They, They don't mind being alone with their thoughts. And I think that's really cool. See, that's um, what I'm saying. Like, I want to be a five, but right now I'm not. <laughs> it's so neat because I read all these other types. I'm like, oh, I want to be that, you know? And I think when you get to a point where you're like, no, I'm happy being me. My type's really cool. I think that's really awesome. Um, okay, so then we've got type six. They are the most loyal of any type on the Enneagram. And they're courageous and brave and... um I love how committed they are to the people in their life and the beliefs that they have. Um, and, and part of it, I wouldn't say it's not completely, you know, altruistic. Uh, they hope that their loyalty will then win them the support and never having to feel alone. Um, but people can count on type sixes and, um, and you'll see that you need to count on those people too, if that's you. Mm. That's interesting. All right. This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> they're also, I just have to add, they are, um, they're super responsible is one thing I've noticed. They're super great at planning to avoid problems and fostering cooperation. So I don't know. I look at six and I'm, I'm a little jealous of that type. I'll be honest. <laughs> and I think she, that's she my friend that from the beginning. I think that's yeah. my friend Renee. She is just organized and responsible and a planner and I can count on her and she's grounded. It's, I like having her in my life because of a lot of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, okay, so Enneagram 7 is the enthusiast. So oh, these people are so fun. <laughs> so they are fun. so fun. Th- these are the ones exactly that you want to be around. Like you like to be around them. They put you in a good mood. Um, they have a lot of curiosity that's really common for them, kind of paired with creativity. So they're open to trying it all. And I think along with that is that like fear of missing out, right? They, they, they enjoy everything Major so much <laughs> that they just want to be involved with it all. Um, they tend to be really positive and optimistic too, which is why it's so easy and, and you want to be around them all the time. Um, and I think when it comes down to like kind of their needs too, it's important to understand that, um, being, being, having people like prepared around you and knowing that, uh, she's going to enjoy variety and stuff, especially like if we're going to talk about birth, right? Like she needs to not just be doing one thing the whole time. Like this is a woman that needs to like move around and have some, some variations and things to do, but definitely the person that you want to be around, she's going to put the entire birth space or any space she walks into, into a good, into a good mood. Hmm. Okay. So is that seven or is that eight? 
That's seven. seven. Okay, okay. Eight. <laughs> We've got eight and they are the challenger. Um, this person is, they're intelligent, they're courageous, they're confident, they're very decisive. They have a very commanding presence. And I think the name challenger kind of says it all. They're really not afraid to challenge anyone on any subject. And so <laughs> sometimes I think to, I feel like they might be one of the most misunderstood on the Enneagram scale here because they've got this very tough exterior shell and they present a very tough kind of outside. They're very honest and straightforward. This is the kind of person that they're, they're standing up to the bullies. They're very concerned with justice, but they're incredibly soft inside. Um, lots of passionate energy here and, uh, very, you know, sorry, hold on. <laughs> They, um, I don't know, they're just very honest and straightforward. And sometimes that can um, be wonderful when it comes to defending the weak, but it can also be a little bit abrasive at times. <laughs> okay. Now this is, I feel like I see a little bit of so many people in all of these. Okay. And then mm-hmm. nine. Okay. So nine is our peacemaker or the mediator. Um, so they're really easygoing. They're reassuring. Uh, they're very agreeable and trusting. They're kind of like the seven where they're like super optimistic, but not as like bouncy about it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, really supportive. They yearn for connection with others and they tend to be really spiritual. Uh, they're in touch with their instincts. They believe things are going to work out and they're good at staying calm and adapting to situations. Oh, this is so interesting. All right. So now let's talk about with those different personalities, how we approach people in birth. So I guess when you're working with a pregnant person as their doula or a childbirth educator, where do you even start? Do you have your clients or do you encourage your students to take this test? How do you go about that? I think we, we typically, so for example, within our birth course and through our podcast, we tell women, if this is something you're already drawn to, you want to understand a bit more about yourself. And I think the big question mark for so many women, especially if it's their first pregnancy is, but what's birth going to look like for me? Mm -hmm. I can watch all these stories. I can read all these stories. I can see different women moving through birth. Some are loud, some are quiet, but what am I going to be like during birth? And if that's you and you're asking that question, then I think that knowing your Enneagram type and kind of keeping those things um, in the forefront of your mind as you approach it is really going to be incredibly helpful. So if that's you, go and take a test. There's some really great free ones online for sure. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that we start off with you have to know your Enneagram type for all our students, but if they fit that description, then we encourage them to do that. And then from there, um, what we've done with the different podcasts, we have a different podcast episode, one on each Enneagram, and we talk about um, the wonderful things that are going to make birth incredible for you. And then we also like to share the things that you may want to watch out for. If if you're not mindful of these things, they they could, I don't want to say sabotage, that sounds very dramatic, but um, they could they could prevent you from having a a full experience, the experience that you want to have if you're not careful. And then, of course, we always give tips for partners. Um, Because when you've got a really great birth partner, they should be uh, integral to helping you navigate that birth experience. And they know need to know how best to support you through that whole thing. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to dive into that a little bit more, but what's really interesting is you're saying having that sense of what your Enneagram is, what you might have your tendencies to, can give you a little bit of perspective of what you might want for your birth. And it reminds me of one of the births I went on as a doula very early in my doula career. And she kept saying like, oh, I love massage. I love touch. I'm going to want this. I'm going to want that. And so I was so (laughs) new. I was like, I'm going to show up. I've got all my oils. I'm going to take care of you. And then what she actually wanted was to be in the bathroom and she was straddling the toilet, looking at the wall. And her husband was one side. I was on the other. And she didn't want to be talked to or touched. She actually just wanted us mm-hmm. in the in the space with her. And it was actually like doing less. Instead of being a doula, it was like do less. So I just literally just we just <laughs> sat there. And and what yeah. we realized if in hindsight, if 
we had had some back. Of course, you still never know what you're going to gravitate towards when you're in labor. But if there was a deeper look at what she may do when she's stressed and when she's uncomfortable or just habits and, and personality traits that might have had to see, oh, I bet she's going to want, maybe she's more of an introvert and she's really just going to want us to hold the space for her to find that small secluded space where she feels safe. And so I guess having a little bit of that view of who this person is may give some hint of what they may of how to support them. Am I on, am I on to something no, with totally. that? I don't think you can have too much information when you're walking into a space that's so vulnerable for a, a woman and a family. And so I think any information and all information you can have, you know, we even talk about your love language, which is an entire other podcast conversation, <laughs> right? But any and all information that you can grab to pull in not just personality, but personal experiences to hear about the relationship with a partner and how they work together to ask her questions about when you are in pain, physical, emotional, what does that look like for you? What do you do? What do you wish you would do? How do you cope? And and does that work well for you? I think having all of that information going in is wonderful. I think also, and you can probably say the same thing as a doula then um, and relate to this, but the more that you are at birth, the more you tune in to the space. And Mm -hmm. so having that information, I think is good information, but experience and learning to be in a space and read it and then move forward is is really where the work gets done. Yeah, I can completely agree. It, it took me, I'd say, at least the first 20 births to really oh, sure. know the kind of questions <laughs> to ask. I remember I was at yeah. a birth where the couple just were, I thought they were going to kill each other, like really <laughs> bickering. And and I called my mentor and I'm like, I, I don't know, am I mediating their, their marriage right now? And she's like, this might be how they actually, that's their dynamic of their relationship. And then that became a conversation piece of like, you know, when you're under stress, how do we relate to each other? Is somebody more of the helper? Is some, like, and understanding yeah. that because I literally was like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> well, right, and I feel like yeah. that's the exact reason why an element of any really good birth course should be, um, fostering good communication between, um, mom and her partner. That's not always the case. Um, sometimes we're getting ready to welcome a new baby and there's some, um, communication discoveries we need to make with our partner. And well, you know, this is how we've worked things out in the past. Is that the healthiest way? Is that how we want to continue to do it? I think because, um, a woman needs, you're so vulnerable during birth. You're very open to suggestion. You, you need to be surrounded by people who are loving and encouraging and supporting you. So there's got to be a certain amount of trust where you know that I can trust that I'm going to make this request as a birthing mom. And I trust that my, my partner, my doula or whoever is supporting me is going to respond in kind and that it's safe to request that thing. And so I really think fostering excellent communication between mom and partner is such an important aspect of birth preparation. Absolutely. Yeah. You need to create that vulnerable space. I call it circling the wagons that your birth teams, I have weird names for things, but that your birth (laughs) team is just holding this vulnerable space for the birthing person just to open up and not be afraid of anything. Just let themselves be that raw birthing person. All right, we're going to take a super quick break. When we come back, let's dive into some of the different approaches for the different Enneagrams. We'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
Okay, we are back. So I don't think we need to go through all nine, but if you can give um, just a little bit from the probably, I don't know, are they most popular? Are they all kind of the same, like like amount of people fall into the different niners? Like they're kind of the top four um, Enneagram types. How would you, if you can pick a couple, how would you offer some support? How would they differ? So if you had like a one or a three or a five, how would you differ how you work with them? Oh, that's such a good question. And now I wish Steph and I had gone through our podcast analytics to see, (laughs) is there one type that's being um, listened to more often than others? Um, You're going to notice some common themes through many of these different types, but I, I love how they each put their own flavor on it. So let me give you an example. Let's take a look at our Enneagram sevens. And again, I, these people, they're just so fun. But Stephanie mentioned how they, they like new experiences. They like new things. And I feel like if you know that about yourself, then you're not going to want to be in a super restrictive birthing environment. And so it's important for you to then evaluate your options. You know, is the birthplace I'm currently at, are they going to be absolutely supportive of freedom of movement? Am I going to be able to um, have a range of options, eating and drinking during labor, freedom to forego the IV if that's something that's important to you, freedom to wear my own clothes? I just feel like the more options you can keep open and on the table as an Enneagram 7, the happier you're going to feel in your birthing environment. Okay. What can you offer for any of the others? Yeah, let's, I, okay. So the one that stands out for me is the peacemaker. This is our Enneagram nine because they're so easygoing and, um, they, they seem like they're kind of happy with everything or they're really mellow. And this is the mom that often gets walked kind of all over during trying to coming up to the birth and actually in the birth space. This is the one that needs a really strong partner and a really good birth team that, um, is going to trust and love on her and respect what her needs are so that she doesn't have to fight for them because she won't. And uh, so I think kind of on her, so this is our very spiritual one. She's in tune with her body. And if, if given that space, if you're circling the wagons for her, like you said, this is the woman that will be able to tune into her body and have one of the most incredible, it'll touch everybody in the room. She's spiritually grounded. She's in tune with her body, in tune with her baby. When she has that that space and that ability to trust herself, her births are incredible every time. And And what happens if she doesn't have that sense of safety and security? Yeah. And that's, I mean, right, this would be for anyone, but this will affect her in a much stronger way. So in her case, if she doesn't have that kind of support, then she's going to walk out of there feeling, um, you know, like she's not as well loved, like she's uncomfortable. Um, it can actually affect traumatized. This is the PTSD mom. Um, it can also affect the labor. So these are the moms that if they're not given that space to tune in and listen to their body and take control, um, in a, in like an inward, inward way, these are the moms that you see, uh, the doctor comes in and all of a sudden her contractions are being weird or she's not handling them well all of a sudden or she was six centimeters last time she was checked, but the doctor told her that she only has this much time left and next time she's checked, she's five centimeters. Um, and, and so she can really get thrown off if she's not in a good place herself and hasn't set up the correct birth team for herself. And I mean, isn't that a blessing? Like that's where doulas come in and and preparation. So. Yeah, I've seen those births. Um, and I've heard about those births and that, that is sad. Um, because we never yeah. want someone to come out of birth feeling traumatized. And I can see if someone is very open and vulnerable, that if they're not well supported and protected during that, it can really damage them. Let's talk about the perfectionist. Um, maybe it's just <laughs> because I'm in the New York City area, but this has been coming up in classes a lot, a lot of conversation about control. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen that in births about, it's really, it's a lot about surrender and there's so much unknown. When is it going to start? What is it going to be like? How long is it going to be? How am I going to handle it? And so just because <laughs> it's, you know, it's just been such a theme. I've been hearing the students have been so open and vulnerable of sharing. I'd love to hear how you'd prepare for that and how you'd support that. So the interesting thing about anybody that has perfectionist tendencies, even if you're not sure if you're an Enneagram one here is that, um, you know, relaxation and surrender is such an important part of 
that first stage of birth, that dilation, if you're not relaxed and you're not surrendering in a way you're kind of fighting what your body is trying to do, which is counterproductive, right? But I think sometimes people bring those perfectionist tendencies into birth and they get so obsessed with, am I doing this right? That that can actually inhibit your ability to relax. It sounds kind of silly, (laughs) right? But they're so worried about, am I relaxing right? That they're actually not (laughs) relaxing. So I think for people in this category, this is where taking the time, rather I should say making the time to practice relaxation throughout your pregnancy, to practice labor rehearsals, to um, meditate, to practice deep breathing ahead of time so that it becomes what Steph and I call muscle memory for you mm-hmm. is going to make it so that you you don't have to worry about any of those things um, coming in and manifesting themselves during your birth, those perfectionist tendencies. We truly believe that whatever you practice, if every time you practice relaxation in preparation for birth, you have your favorite uh, aromatherapy going and you're listening to maybe a birth playlist you've made or some meditation tracks through your birth course or something, or your partner's touching you in a certain way, uh, whatever it is, whatever setting that environment, if you can continue to use those things and your body relaxes and kind and responds to that, then when you introduce those same elements to your birth space, your body's going to naturally relax and you don't have to worry about that perfectionist tendency uh, coming in and, and inhibiting anything. Yeah. We, I use that theory a lot in class, like the Pavlov's dog, like, okay, I'm going to do, maybe it's a certain kind of breathing count. Like some t- today in this morning class, we did a three count inhale and a six count exhale. Um, one, except for sounding really stressed. Maybe it's because it's March 1st and we're now like, oh my God, we've been in this a year. And so there's a <laughs> lot of anxiety. So I was trying to work on the parasympathetic nervous system. So I went with that longer exhale. But if we keep practicing it, it sounds like you and I are talking the same thing. Yeah. Once we start to introduce it, the body's like, oh, here I am. Yes, I'm supposed mm-hmm. to relax now. So it sounds like mm-hmm. you can't receive the same page on that. What about when the client, you kind of touched on this, Am I doing it right? And I've heard that from students. I don't know if I'm birthing right. Or the birth was just so different than they had envisioned that they feel like they failed in some way. How do you work with that? With How do you prepare that perfectionist that they may not be on birth plan A, B? They might be like down to, you know, like X, Y, Z. Like it's just so different than they had envisioned. And then if they have those control perfectionist tendencies to open the idea they didn't fail. Am I I making sense? No, you totally are. And I, I think, I mean, I might not be a one, but I can sit on that. You know what I mean? And I get stuck on it. And if I, like with my first birth, I was able, I, that's a very much how I felt. I failed and I didn't do this right. And with my second birth, I had some of that kind of with me at the same time. And so there are some things that you can do. I think number one is understanding that, um, even like when we talk about a birth plan, like we don't even call it a plan because there's no such thing, right? Like, um, like it's a, it's a map. There are different roads to get to this destination and there are twists and turns and all everything in between. And so understanding what those things are so that you're not blindsided by it, I think is number one. Having the knowledge to take with you into the birth space, having the preparation. If you if you know that you've done the things, like especially with that perfectionist, they're the queen of checking off the to-do list, right? So they're the ones that if you tell them to practice relaxation for 10 to 15 minutes, tw- two times a day, they're going to do it and they're going to feel good about doing it. Yeah, they're going to get two and hours so, a day. <laughs> right. They're like, I did it and I did it even more. Right. And so, and, but that's back to your point, right? Like what if they've done all these things and then they don't get the birth that they're looking for? Um, I think there's a lot of mindset work that can, that goes around that. And that's prior to, and also after the birth is done. Um, birth doesn't end just because we had a baby, you know, um, we bring that same person through into the next phase with us and then we won't get into hormones and everything else that gets involved at that point. But if you're just talking about the mindset work and the tendencies of a type one, even using something like we have have a, a find it and flip it exercise. Basically, it's it's taking any fears or doubts or negative thoughts that you're having, writing it down. And on the opposite side, you write two positive things in the exact opposition to that fear or doubt or negative thought. And you say it out loud. And I'm, I'm sure you've had you know experience with this, but you look at yourself in the mirror and you say it out loud and you believe it. You say it as if it's true and you keep doing that over and over. And maybe that sounds silly. Maybe that sounds a little woo-woo, but it's not. 
and it works. And that has a lot of power in how you move into that next stage. The other thing I would say is making sure to share your birth story. You can't keep it in your head because we know anything is crazier and more messed up when we keep it to ourselves and we run it around in circles and we tell ourselves lies about it. And so saying it out loud, allowing it to lose the power, telling it to somebody that you trust that can give you positive energy, positive feedback, that I think those two things are going to be your top tools. Mm, And then I'm going to add to that. I think not just saying your birth story, because I have seen people almost re-traumatize themselves by living (laughs) that, you know what I mean? (laughs) So um, I worked with somebody, I did a birthing from within mentorship and I, uh, Nikki, oh, I'm losing her last name, something with an S. Um, She does a lot about birth story processing and it Mm. was so powerful because we can, and I've seen this with students and even myself at certain things about my first birth, just keep retelling it almost like I can't believe it. And it's still (laughs) so raw and like, it's just, they, again, they're re-traumatizing themselves. So processing it, um, I think I just wanted to throw that out there that it's, I think you can take it even deeper, but yeah, letting, letting go. And like you were saying, your first birth, and I'm going to relate to that. My first birth, going to my second birth, I had a lot of processing to do because I yes. carried that, I carried <laughs> that fear of like, oh my yeah, gosh. If you're ever curious about how well you processed, go into your next birth. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, not processed, not processed right, at yeah. all. <laughs> all right. So we talked a little exactly. about one and then we talked about I think nine and was it five? Is there seven. one seven? Is there oh, one? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Is there one more that you want to just talk a little bit about how they may approach their how they can start to approach their birth? Yeah. So I I'm gonna I don't want to say pick on. I'm gonna pick the <laughs> our type A our challenger. One of the mm. things that's so admirable about this person in their birth space is if they have a conviction that um, they should eat and drink during their birth, they have no problem saying no <laughs> to anybody that presents a, a different um, opinion. They're, they're very firm in their beliefs and they shouldn't be taken trivially, uh, trivially. This is somebody who has researched their stuff. They feel that they're the authority. And so um, they're strong and they're resolute in those decisions. Nobody's going to be pushing them into something that isn't a part of their birth plan within reason, right? And uh, and I love that they know their own mind and heart. One of the challenges that they can sometimes face, though, in birth is that, um, you know, we talked about already that birth is an incredibly vulnerable experience. And um, the type eight sort of believes that vulnerability is weakness. And so that's a mindset set shift that they need to make that being vulnerable, letting others know when, when you need support and, um, this isn't feeling right, or I need some help right now, that is strength. And I, I feel like, again, that's work that needs to start taking place long before, um, it's birthing time. This is something where you're working with the birth team on, you're doing the necessary mindset work to prepare for that. Um, you're having conversations with your partner ahead of time and saying, you know, I know I don't always open up, but I, these are some fears or concerns that I'm having about birth. And can you help me and, and give them ways, suggest ways that they can help you through that process. And Hey, I find that if I'm acting like this, it's usually because I'm feeling this way. And this is what I would love from you. So I think that's really helpful for them to know. That's, it that's a lot. Me, I was gonna say it reminds me of Courtney has this doula client that she talks about, right? The girl with the ice. Tell them the, the story about the ice. I'm trying to remember this. The one that client. she wanted to drink water, oh. and they wouldn't let her drink water. <laughs> this is awesome. She has to be an eight, right? She had to have been. I realize now in hindsight that's probably true. So uh, the nurse comes in, and we're working away, and she sees my client. Um, taking a swig of water, I don't know, whatever coconut water she was drinking. And she goes, no, 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 no. You can only have ice chips. And the girl looks at her and she goes, okay, fine. But I like my ice chips melted and takes another (laughs) swig off her bottle. I was like, what a woman. First of all, I want to be one of those people who's so quick on this spot with the comebacks. Right. But I laughed about that. I thought that was awesome. What kind of struck me is that it's asking a lot of that person who might be the challenger and very strong 
to sit and go back, like pull that curtain back to their vulnerabilities and then share that. It's so, I can see the benefit of it. Oh, I totally get that because I'm not the best at that. And so I could see the benefit to revealing the kind of help you need, but I could imagine it being really challenging for that person to get there. It is, which is why we give the tip for their partner. Listen, she may not vocalize her feelings and her fears during birth. And so we want you to kind of assume that she has them anyway and speak to those. Um, stand strong in your role as her birth partner, even if you're like, why am I saying these? She seems to be doing fine. Um, she probably doesn't want me to say. You stand strong in your role and you be affirmative and you be supportive and you give wonderful verbal and physical support. Even if she's not asking it, just assume that maybe there's some fear or some um, concern that she's hanging on to and speak to that. So I, I think this is where birth isn't a solo sport. <laughs> you know, you need a whole team and you need that team to know you and what you're about and what your birth is about. Yeah. Oh, I love the idea of the team. I keep thinking though, how to use this information because it is definitely a privilege to know your team ahead of time and to have a doula. But what about the situations where they're kind of walking in and maybe they don't have support, how they can share this information with, if there's just a nurse and a partner and there's not a doula or, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of certain situations where they may not have had the chance to communicate as well. Is it something that you recommend writing up or the partner pulls aside the nurse, be like, this is really going to be helpful or not helpful? What are your thoughts on that? Definitely. I, I think that there are, um, if you're walking into a space, you don't know who your nurse is going to be or who your birth assistant is going to be. We really like to encourage our students when they're creating their birth map that they have some kind of, and it doesn't have to be long, but a few sentences of introduction. Who are you? What are you about? You can make it funny or clever. You can just get to the point. But I feel like this would be a really good space to put a little about yourself and how you anticipate what your needs might be or your reactions during labor and how they can support you. And then I think there has to be trust then. So you put in a little effort, you write a little bit up in your birth map, birth plan, and um, and you pass it off to that person. And certainly if your partner can speak to that, that's wonderful too. But I think then that there's so many compassionate and caring um, birth professionals out there and nurses and things that, you know, I think the likelihood of you getting somebody who will read that and really work and to support you in the way that you've said you might need it, I think <laughs> is highly, highly likely. Yeah. And I think too, when you walk into a birth space, if you're talking about not knowing necessarily, like, like if you go to a doctor's, you know, you're not going to know who your, your assistants are, your nurses are that are, are going to be on duty that day. Maybe you've never met anyone in your birth space. And so understanding that you don't know their Enneagram, you don't know where they're coming from, what mm -hmm. their home life is like and all of that. I think we also really encourage like bring a nurse basket, right? Bring something. Some friends. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like all the Enneagrams are going to love having something nice given to them, being kind and respectful, using a first name, just, you know, general things that we say are like do unto others. Um, but I think that's important if you're going into a space that you're not quite sure of and you're trying to get comfortable. Sometimes they don't even know the doctor they're going to have. Um, I know a lot of the practices right. in New York, they can have like, you know, anywhere from four to 12 different doctors. And mm -hmm. while hopefully they've rotated and met them, they may not know who exactly is going to be there. Okay. We're going to take one more break and we come back. If you can offer one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents, we'll be right back. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, so. Throw it out there, whatever. It doesn't have to be Enneagram. It can be anything. What is one tip <laughs> or piece of advice that is just kind of burning in your heart that you want to share with new or expectant parents? 
don't underestimate the power of birth. (laughs) I think that has been the biggest one that has come out there lately. Uh, Even if we're looking at people that follow us and they ask all the questions and they're doing like there is a power to birth. And I think if you can get into it, if you start, you know, recognizing, understanding, acknowledging, um, pulling all the information that you can get that preparation. I don't think you can prepare in like, you're never going to prepare too much. We don't see anybody that reads too many books or takes too many, um, you know, too many meditations or is unhappy with the amount of relaxation that they did or time they spent with their partner. You cannot prepare too much. And so I think when you we're, we're talking about the power of birth, we're thinking about the power of birth and Courtney might feel differently. I kind of jumped on this one. Um, but there, there's a power to it. And oftentimes I know myself, I totally did this with my first, you know, I was like, everybody does this from the beginning of time. It can't be that big of a deal. I read the book. I read a birth story. That's what I want mine to look like. I did no preparation and I ended in a cesarean birth and I went, wait, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they think, I think there's a power to birth and, and it would be in our best interest to not underestimate that power. Hmm. Okay. Courtney, did you want that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> I love it because it's broad enough that you could take anything from that. There's power in birth. So I, I like to say, you know, um, depending on where you live, the country you're in, statistics are such that you might have an average of, what is it, 1.6 to children. So the idea being that birth isn't something um, that you're going to get to do all that many times in your life. And like Stephanie said, I don't think you're ever going to regret investing in preparation, investing in knowledge. And so I think if you can um, recognize that and say, you know what, there's power in birth experiences and power in birth stories. And, and I want to, I want to have powerful experiences that I can cherish um, for the rest of my life. Then, then I think that changes your approach to how you prepare and I think sets you up for having a birth that you'll love. That is great. Okay. Where can people find your work? Uh, so we are, if you're looking for us on Instagram, we are at my essential birth, all one word. And then if you want to find information about the birth course or listen to the podcast, it's at www.myessentialbirth.com. Yeah, and it's the the podcast is the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast. And I will have all that in the show notes, um, along with that book that you recommended. I'll make sure I wrote it down correctly. The Road Back to You, is that correct? That's the one. Perfect. I'll make sure that's in our show notes. I want to thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed this. I am going to, as soon as my kids go to bed tonight, I am taking that test and make my husband take the test. I'm just fascinated <laughs> by this. I think anything that just gives us a better sense of, I don't want to use the word weaknesses, but maybe, or even flaws, just our other side of greatness. Um, <laughs> so I like that. that. Yeah. So that we know, you know, when that, when that other side's coming up that may not be as favorable, <laughs> that we can work with our ourselves and then that how we relate to others and how we relate to our birth and our children and our partners. So this has been really exciting and really fun. So thank you for your time. Thanks, Thanks Deborah, And thank you to your <laughs> listeners. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.